0: Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of Brown Girls Read Podcast. This is your host, Taman Tivana. And this is Khyati Thakur. And both of us love reading books. On this podcast, we bring our favorite books to you every month and discuss the parts that were most meaningful to us and how we found them interesting or relatable as brown girls. Kathy, so before we start, I just want to ask you, how has it been these last few weeks? It has been
1: so difficult to cope up with social distancing and not being able to meet people i think at some point my husband and i are going to kill ourselves (laughs) if we don't die from coronavirus that is
0: well I, i personally am loving social distancing in a way that you know it's now it's okay to be a complete introvert and you can just sit home and avoid people and there's a full valid reason to do that i know that's that's true as well And before we start discussing our book today, I just want to urge everyone out there to practice social distancing. It has a lot of advantages coming from me personally. You can just spend your time reading books, learning to do new things, cooking, painting so much. And also, this will help us minimize the spread of coronavirus. And not just for us, it's also for the ones around us, especially those who are at high risk because of their age or immunity conditions. That's right. So let's all practice kindness towards each other and share resources instead of selfishly hoarding them.
1: Right. And also you can spend your time listening to our podcast.
0: Yeah. Like Kathy said, to entertain you, we are here with our next book. Today we are discussing
1: What I Know Now, Letters to My Younger Self by Ellen Spraggins. To give you an overview of the book, 41 highly successful women have written letters to their younger selves. These letters are filled with insights and advice that they wish they had when they were younger. And I think there have been a lot of very common life advices that these women have told to their younger selves. Yeah, I think one of the very common life advice between all of these women was to believe in your instincts. If your gut instinct says it's not right, it must not be. Yeah. No matter how many people are pressurizing you to do something, if you don't feel it's right for you, don't do it.
0: Yes, and it's because of all these great advice in the book, we thought we have to share it with you. Before we start our discussion, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Like we mentioned earlier, this book is a collection of beautiful letters written by 41 incredible women to their own younger selves. And we have picked our favorites for you today.
1: I think my first favorite letter is by Madeleine Albright. She was a former secretary to state. At 69, she chose to write a letter to her 44-year-old self.
0: This is one of my favorite letters too. And in her letter, she tells herself to not worry about any uncertainty, to trust her gut and that there is no formula and everyone should choose their own path. And I I love that this was the first letter in the book. I felt like I really needed that advice. Me too. In fact, I need to hear this over and over because I personally am a big worrier and I really struggle with like, you know, trusting that things will eventually work out and that I should just follow my path and keep working hard without worrying so much.
1: Yeah, that is actually really hard to do. She also tells her younger self that it's hard to feel qualified as a role model. And it'll take years before she'll realize that she already is a good role model. Yeah. Yeah. It's so surprising to see that someone like Madeline Albright is thinking about if she's a role model know, or not. Right? <laughs> but it's also comforting in a way, I think. I mean, I don't know if I ever think about becoming a role model for people because that's just not achievable. Why not? Okay, let Okay, that's a different discussion. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what I liked in a letter was that she has got to believe that she has the guts to find her own self. And this is so important to believe in. Especially when, you know, so many things around you are putting you down.
0: Yeah, you're right. The first time I learned about her was from a TV show, actually. Have you watched Parks and Recreation? Yeah, I love that show. Yeah, it's one of my favorites too. And she appears in one episode. It was a really small cameo, but I loved her so much in that appearance. She was so cool and confident.
1: I know. I love Parks and Rec and I have seen each episode of that show like seven or eight times. So yeah, I remember that episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The next letter that I want to discuss is Barbara Boxer's. She is the US Senator for California and in her letter she says that one of my biggest faults when I started out in politics was being judgmental. At that young age, I did not have the patience to hear why someone might have a different point of view from mine. And that was the theme of her letter to herself, telling herself to be more open to others, to learning. And I love that she told herself to not see everything in black and white. And Even though she calls it easy work, it definitely is not for a lot of us. I know. And she wrote that every single person is as important as you are and has a story to tell.
1: You know, I can't say I haven't been guilty of doing just what she says in my life. (laughs) I have been judgmental and like so judgmental in the past. Her advice is extremely relevant in today's world where people are so stoic about what they believe in. And about their opinions that they don't even want to listen to the other person's point of view.
0: I know this is so true, especially in the current climate of politics, right? Where people are just like from one party or the other party and they're just fighting with each other over their opinions without ever stopping to listen to what other person is trying to say.
1: Right. No one wants to open their mind and think for a second where the person who is opposing or challenging their view is actually coming from what that guy's experience must be, that he has a perspective that is different from yeah. theirs. And when you have people who are so on the extreme edge of the spectrum, it's very difficult to think of a middle ground, like you said, in nations, in cities, in communities, and even in families.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this somehow reminded me of something I learned very recently at my work. Uh, so a coworker of mine told me about this incident that happened after the 2016 election in US. Mm-hmm. So her co-worker or a friend, I forgot who, was really upset with the results. She could not believe that America chose this person to be the president. Right. And it was really bothering Like her. so many of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think she was even more bothered than we are. Mm-hmm. And she started feeling the effects on her mental health and like in general her temperament. So she decided to take on this project to start reading something about Republican point of views. So she would find articles where she would read like why they chose this person, like trying to understand why they chose this person. Mm -hmm. So in the end, she was still with the person she liked, but it made her be more open, I think.
1: Wow! That's a really amazing point of view, you know, to, to approach this issue of being judgmental. Yeah,
0: and I think we could all learn from that to just try to hear the other person. We can all agree to disagree, but Just listen to other people.
1: Yeah, that's a really good story, actually. Another letter that I really liked was Ross Chast. She's a cartoonist. You know, one thing that I'm greatly thankful for that we picked this book up is because I met Ross Chast through this book and I learned about her. I didn't know about her cartoons
0: earlier. Me neither. And I love that how she could just, like, you know, translate her inner thoughts and neuroses into these cartoons. I know. I wish I could do that.
1: In her letter, she says, being an adult is better than being a kid. And I was thinking to myself, why would a cartoonist say something so absurd? (laughs) Of course, being a kid is so much better, right? But then I saw her cartoons and I realized that she does have a talent for identifying everyday neuroses. She grew up with her mom who was a hypochondriac and because of that, Ross picked it up too. Can you imagine living in a world where everything around you seems like Full of diseases and germs and fretting over it constantly. Well, right now I can.
0: (laughs) Thanks to coronavirus.
1: (laughs) It's so scary. But, you know, it's so great to see and I don't know how she did it. That she channeled it into something more relatable to the world.
0: Yeah, I wish I knew like the how to do that. Like, you know, I draw, right? But my drawings are like just so general. It's not like I can literally have the translation channel going on between what I'm feeling to what I'm drawing. And I feel jealous. (laughs) I also like that her letter to herself was so different from the messages that we hear generally that childhood is the best thing like you know your best days are gone and like that was the best thing that could have happened. If you think about it it's so depressing right? Yeah. You know the best is over. (laughs) Yeah we have been through our peak and now it's all downhill. (laughs) The next letter that I really want to talk about is Brina Clark's. She's a novelist What really stood out to me was that she did not know how to swim her entire life and she learned how to do that in her 40s. Personally, I don't know how to swim. I have tried several times. Oh my god! (laughs) I've tried several times and I fail but honestly it's because I did not put the required amount of time or effort that goes into it and I give up way too soon. But she has inspired me to not give up because I'm like, yeah, this is not too late and I can still learn to swim. And this summer, I'm going to try again. Yes.
1: She also asks a younger self to try more things and to cross more lines. Yeah. Well, I think if I am scared of one thing in life, it is actually that. That, you know, I'm 71 day and I look back and I realize that I didn't try different things and I didn't cross more lines. That's an extremely sad realization.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And there's another thing that I really related to in her letter, was that she writes that we have been bombarded with this idea that our natural hair in their natural state are not good. And I painfully relate to this. Me too. Since my teenage years, I have been straightening my hair. Me too. Even on days that I don't feel like it. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know if you remember, but when we were kids back in India, we used to use iron to straighten out our hair. And we didn't have all these fancy hair straighteners.
1: That also reminds me of something similar that Lisa Scotseline said later in the book to her younger self, your hair matters far far less than you think. Only now I have started becoming comfortable with my weight
0: issues you know.
1: I think to get comfortable with a natural hair is for the next decade. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I have gotten better with accepting myself including my hair in past year or two but Still, every now and then that voice rings in my head telling that I don't look good enough in my natural state. There's this advice in her letter that brainy as you are, you don't know that hair is just hair. That's so amazing. I feel like we should just like, you know, print it and put it up on our dressers or something. So to remind ourselves that we are good the way we are. We don't need to change ourselves.
1: I know, yeah.
0: The next letter that I have selected is from Anne Curry, she's the news correspondent for today and her letter to me showed a struggle that immigrants face day in day out. It's that pressure to assimilate and become like everyone around you so you can just blend in and not stand out at all so that the negative light can stop shining on you. Whether it's for how you look or the color of your skin or what your accent is. All of us, I think, at some point have felt that we have been made to feel inferior. And in some ways, we have tried to adopt to become a part of the crowd. When I think actually we are meant to stand out and, you know, shine in our uniqueness. Wow, I love that phrase, shine in our uniqueness. (laughs) Have you ever felt like this, Kyati? Of course I
1: have. Because of our accents, like, you know, because it seems so Indian, right? When you come to the US and then people are kind of talking to you and they're like, what do you say? sorry what they don't understand it and then you're like oh my god i'm the odd one out here
0: yeah and have you noticed the thing with accent like if there's a person who's come from europe people are actually romanticizing their accents like, yeah oh, this person has this like french accent or something yeah. and automatically just from because we are from india our accents are somehow like lesser in that ladder i, know. I don't know doesn't even make sense. Yeah, it's
1: very weird. Like, have you seen Simpsons in that Abu from The Simpsons? Yeah. He's like imitating the Indian accent and it is... I hate
0: it. I I I hate hate... what they've done there. Me too. (laughs) And at this point, I also want to reach out to our listeners and see if anyone out there listening to us right now has ever felt like this. Write to us if you have felt like this at any point in your life. Another thing that I related to in her letter was that she calls herself a late bloomer at 47 and I related so much to that. Yeah, I'm not 47. I'm in my 30s. <laughs> but I feel like I took really long to learn so many things, which I wish I would have known earlier. I would have suffered less. Me too, you know. And on a side note, her letter also mentions that she grew up in Ashland, Oregon. And it reminded me of her last book. You remember Cheryl made a stop in Ashland on her hike?
1: Oh, yeah. It's, it's all coming together now. <laughs> Another letter that I found Really relatable was by Aline Fisher. She's a clothing designer and an entrepreneur. And you know, she teaches free yoga, tai chi, dance moves, and stress reduction. That's so talented. Oh, wow. So much. But things were at one point not so rosy for her. She has written a letter to her early 20s self when she had no resources to excel in her career. She was living with her boyfriend and felt
0: trapped by him, and she was depressed. In her letter, she mentions that one by one, her friends had fallen away because her boyfriend didn't like them. She couldn't turn to her family because her parents disapproved of their living arrangements. These two sentences said so much about relationships that we have seen growing up. It was just a known thing that once a girl has a boyfriend, she is gonna stop hanging out with her friends eventually.
1: Okay, can I also add something here? I realized that once all of my friends, like every one of my girlfriends, they had a boyfriend. They would like walk with me and talk on the phone with their boyfriends.
0: That's so annoying. It used to feel so shitty. Like when your friends would do that, like they're like, oh, let's hang out. But then you would realize that they're just using this time away from their parents to talk to their boyfriends on phone. Yeah,
1: like what the fuck is that?
0: (laughs) I know. I I think that's just the repressed culture we come from, right? You can't openly admit to your parents that you have a boyfriend. So you have to play this hide and seek game the whole time. And you think, yeah, your friends are the okay people to do this with. And they have no realization how wrong it is for your friendship. And what's sad about this whole setup is like, because families don't know, so many of these girls would get just mistreated by their boyfriends. And like family is not supportive, you have lost your friends, then you're just stuck in that bad relationship so much longer.
1: Yeah, you're right. And she encourages her 20 year old self to also not be afraid of living alone. This is something that I relate to so much. Growing up in our culture, living alone is considered as a punishment.
0: I think our culture doesn't even have a word for space, like personal space. There's no word for it. Yeah, there's no word for like, it. Like, in any language. I don't think that concept exists. Yeah,
1: it it doesn't. Now that you say that, you're right. They don't have a word for it, yeah. in Hindi, at least. And I have practically lived alone after the age of 17, you know, for studies, for work. And then when I came to the US, I lived alone in my studio apartment. And this behavior, like they say, was <laughs> <laughs> never encouraged by my parents. India is such a social culture that no one can even comprehend how living alone can be so liberating. I used to get pity calls from my parents almost every day when they used to tell me things like, please get married because you're living alone <laughs> right now. That can be so damaging for you as a wow, person. How
0: damaged are you, kya <laughs>
1: <laughs> And I had to actually argue with them and reason with them about why I love living all by my own and why I enjoy having no one to disturb my thoughts.
0: Yeah, you're so right. And I think because of all these constraints on us from society and families, at some level, we are also afraid of living alone. And that makes so many of us just settle for less. And it's just something that we have been taught in life, that you are just incomplete till you're married.
1: If you're thinking about living alone and are afraid of doing so, don't be. It's beautiful. And it's amazing.
0: It is. (laughs) It's an experience you must experience for yourself. Yes.
1: Next letter that I really liked is Jane Kaczmarek. She's an actress. I think you guys might know her from Malcolm in the Middle. She got nominated six times for the Emmys for this show. In her letter to her younger self, she asks her younger self to look at the big picture so she can learn about what true success means, which to her is being a whole person, someone with balance and compassion.
0: And in her letter, I love that she writes, I'm laughing because your failure, or should I say your string of failures, is hilarious because it's so exaggerated. The smack belly flops are going to turn out to be the best things ever for you. Here she is talking about her series of failures when she was 32, after she was winning always and being successful in her Mm -hmm. life so far. And she's trying to tell herself that however bad it may feel, these failures are in some way going to open her up. And she's going to learn a lot from it, including being vulnerable and that defined success means nothing when it comes to the quality of people in your life.
1: I related to her letter because she also says it's okay to be vulnerable and it's really okay to say, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. We are required to project this image of, you know, all-knowing, all-strong person who can never be vulnerable with their feelings, especially in the corporate world.
0: Yeah, I know. And... I don't think I can still be that person, a person who can just go to her co-workers or her boss and be like, you know, see, I don't know how to do this project.
1: Yeah, because feelings are a sign of weakness in the corporate world, especially. And if you can admit you don't know something, then you're doomed. Yeah. Or that's what the world wants you to believe, right? But I think most of the successful people that I have met or read about, they had this exact quality that they were and they still are not afraid of showing their vulnerability. And I feel personally, this habit is so difficult to inculcate. You know, this habit of letting your guard down for a second and admitting that maybe you don't know what you're doing with your life. And it's completely
0: and truly okay. Even imagining that I find it hard to apply to myself that I can be that okay with not knowing to do something. Like I always have to be the one who knows how to do stuff. Like I don't know when or how I set myself up here that I should know how to do everything and anything in my life. And if I don't, instead of telling you that I don't know how to do it, I would just go and like somehow learn it a little bit of it to just show face.
1: You know, sometimes when I'm asking a dumb question, and I feel like this is a dumb question. What is this guy going to say? And then I think to myself, okay, so what is the worst that could happen, right? Maybe he'll maybe he'll think I'm dumb, but then he'll answer the question.
0: So <laughs> Yeah, I like your attitude.
1: Another letter that I really related to was Jerry Labans. She is the CEO of Oxygen Media. And her success story is very interesting to me. She was a school teacher in 1980s. And now she is a CEO of her own company. How do you go from being a school teacher to a CEO of your own media company? I can never comprehend.
0: Yeah, and At one point, I think she was also executive leader at Nickelodeon, which to me was so impressive.
1: Yeah, and her letter is an inspiration and an encouragement for anyone who is thinking of making some big leaps in their career. Also, it actually gives you some insight into what a real entrepreneur is. Everyone thinks that raising money is the biggest hurdle, but she talks about how it is nothing compared to the tasks of setting the vision, building the brand...
0: You know, I really love this advice she had for aspiring entrepreneurs because all the people around me who are trying to do something of their own, their main agenda is just like, you know, raising capital. Yeah, we focus too much on that.
1: Yeah. And she ends it by saying, remember to be your own best friend. Turn off the radio station in your head that points out your failures.
0: That could be a motivational poster on my desk. I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I also want to talk about Cameron Mannheim's letter. She's a very successful actress today and the reason why I loved her letter to her younger self is because I found it extremely relatable. She was, as she mentions, was struggling with weight issues and as usual, the society wasn't easy on her. In her letter, she says, the people around you don't change, but what changes is the warrior inside you. You eventually get more confidence and wit and audacity. Love that. Yeah. This theory that she adds next, it is probably the most wonderful thought by which to live your life. She says that the universe is like a pension plan. It will match your investment. If you put 100% of your potential in it, you will get an additional 100% back on your return. This is the best investment plan, being proactive
0: about your life. You know, I love reading this, that if we put our best into something, it's going to get matched up. It's such a motivation to just do better at anything and everything.
1: Yeah, it's a truly motivational thought.
0: Yeah. The next letter that I have selected is by Mary Madeline. She's a political commentator. And in her letter, she writes that work should not be work and you should love your job. And I can personally attest to the truth in this.
1: I think that it could be sometimes difficult to find that one thing that you love to do and make it your work or just put so much effort in your actual work that you eventually start loving it. Whatever path you choose to take, you have to love your job because honestly, that's what you spend one third of your life doing.
0: I also like that she tells her younger self to give importance to her skills, especially skills that don't really go on your resume because these skills can help us figure out the direction that we want to go in like a true north yeah she also says that no amount of hard work or acquired expertise can overcome a bad fit i felt like this is such a great advice like if your instincts are saying that something is wrong in that paradise then there probably is a problem yeah and that we shouldn't ignore those gut feelings and that constant discomfort that we are feeling there are many reasons that that perfect job may not be perfect in a day to day situation for us because there's a possibility that originally I misjudged my interest or, you know, misjudged right. the team and the colleagues. And I like that she also gives that caution that don't account a few bad days in there, but she's talking overall that we should just pay attention to the low grade dissatisfaction before it turns into a potential self destruction for us.
1: I love that advice so much.
0: Yeah. And This could just apply to so much more than work, like in our personal lives as well. If we keep on ignoring our intuition and and don't pay attention to these low-grade dissatisfactions, then we can find ourselves in situations which grow much, much worse and we eventually are just stuck in. Yeah, exactly. Another letter that was very interesting to me was by Trish McAvoy, who is the makeup artist and founder of Trish McAvoy Limited. And she mentions that one of her deepest, longest relationships was with her mother-in-law. And reading (laughs) that, I was like, what? Is that real? I know. (laughs) And then she says that to me, my mother-in-law was a perfect person. She was totally self-reliant. She had the knack of focusing on her loved ones without interfering. And that she was not a big advice giver and she never judged. And then I was like, Yeah, of course you like her then. Yeah, I didn't
1: relate to her that much. Probably because, you know, I'm still at that stage where I feel awkward around my mother-in-law. And I don't even want to make any effort (laughs) to make it right.
0: See, now that sounds real to me. (laughs) And even with all the sweetness of her letter, I just found much of it unbelievable, personally. I think maybe it's because we have just been scarred by our upbringing and experiences. Yeah. One more
1: letter that I have to discuss is Joyce Roche. She is the CEO of Girls Inc. It's a non-profit that inspires girls to be strong, smart and bold. She writes a letter to her 34-year-old self and she's talking about imposter syndrome. This is one of my favorite letters because you won't expect someone as successful as her to have ever gone through imposter syndrome. And I have been through it as... I'm sure a lot of people, and, I'm th- and I think more women than men yep. have also been at that point, right? You're right. She says that even though people around you praise you for your job and hard work, somewhere deep inside, you don't believe what they say. You feel that it's just a matter of time before they discover that you're not supposed to be here. And then she asks her younger self to stop doubting herself, her abilities, and to stop working so hard and worrying so much Because she deserves a place at the table.
0: You know, I know that feeling. I can totally relate to that. I'm not sure how that seed of doubt is planted in our minds, but it continues to plague us in every endeavor we take on.
1: And I have felt how agonizing it is to doubt yourself every single day. I was at that place in my mind where I thought I couldn't do anything and that I was the dumbest person in the world. And I don't say it lightly because that's how it actually feels. And it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of effort
0: to get yourself out of that headspace. Moving on, the last letter that I want to discuss is by Liz Smith, who is a gossip columnist. In her letter, she writes that you should live as though you know you are going to be famous. Even if you are not, you still have the satisfaction of knowing exactly how you spent your time. Yeah. And I think subconsciously, I have been doing that sometimes with my journals. I feel like I write for a future audience, like trying to preserve my memories, curate them somehow. Although I'm not as good at it or like, you know, I'm not Sylvia Plath that people would buy my journal to read it. But still, I think I do that. (laughs) She also writes that give it all you have got and drop the envy and secret malice. And I love this part because here she talks about something I feel We all might have experienced at some point as underpaid, underappreciated employees who are frustrated, of course, and then something in them makes them say no to the bosses to not go dig deeper to find solutions to the problems. Yeah, this is probably the one trait that makes leaders
1: different from followers, in my opinion. Everyone can be part of the problem, you know, but to be part of a solution, only real leaders can do that. So you have to
0: give it all you have got
1: if you want to rise above the ranks of mediocrity.
0: Yes, and it's the conscious decisions that we make every day. Decisions like these that make a big difference in the long run for us. Yeah.
1: These were our favorite letters and you can see some common elements in each of these. Each of the contributors feels real kindness for the girl, young adult or middle-aged woman she once was. And I can't help but realize that this is the most important thing. We, more often than not, are so hard on ourselves and our younger selves. We don't like the decisions that we took when we were young. We don't like how we looked, how we dressed. We criticize the thoughts and pictures of our younger selves so often but it's so important to feel kindness for our past selves because that has led to
0: the women we are today. Yeah, that's so true. And although we have cherry-picked a few from this book, all the letters bring bites of inspiration and we would definitely urge you to pick up this book next. Yes. And we love reading about these amazing women, their inspirational lives, and this truly intimate insight into their mind. All the women in this book are incredible, so fierce and powerful, and yet so wise and humble. We absolutely recommend this gem. For sure, everyone will find a few role models in there. Yeah. And before we end, if you were to write a letter to your younger self, Khyati, what would you say?
1: I think I would tell my younger self to be more assertive, to be more confident and to not calm the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> because that's that's your USP. Oh, and to consciously... Keep thinking positive thoughts about herself until it actually becomes a habit. I love that.
0: I absolutely love your letter. (laughs) I think I would tell myself to be more bold about being herself and not to settle for anything that does not feel right. I would tell myself to stop worrying about others or pleasing others or doing so much for others and learn to put myself first. And another thing I think... That I would tell myself would be to give in my 100% into my skills and creativity. That's very inspiring. Thank you. And listeners, what would you write to your younger selves? Please share your letters with us on Twitter or Instagram. We would love to read them.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Brown Girls Read Podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a 5-star rating and a comment. You can support us at anchor.fm slash browngirlsread slash support. Your support will allow us to continue this podcast and bring more episodes to you. Also, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram, browngirlsreadpod. And if you have a book recommendation for us, you can leave us a comment or message
0: on Instagram. Next month, we will be back with Power by Naomi Alderman. Go grab your copy now and read with us. Keep listening!